Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello, and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, before we launch in, I just want to thank Claude Daw for the wonderful five-star review who writes, can't get enough. Dr. Robin has a variety of guests with different perspectives in a time when we don't have our normal parenting support. We can turn to her. Can't wait for the next podcast. Thank you for that. And thank you to the mother of my kids who wrote insightful and thought-provoking. A friend recommended this podcast and I could not be more grateful. The guest topics and discussions are so helpful in helping me understand my own parenting and the perspectives of my children and their friends in real time. Well, I love being part of your team. Thank you so much for letting me know how you feel, letting me into your life, your brain, your ears. If you can, please give a podcast review on iTunes. The five-star reviews make an enormous difference, and I read every single one. They make me smile from ear to ear, and I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. Now, as children grow and enter their preteens and teens, they experience, well, a lot of changes. Social changes, emotional changes, cognitive changes, and yes, physical changes as well. Many girls and boys feel dissatisfied with their bodies. Countless studies have shown that negative body image in girls has been linked with depression and eating disorders as they receive message after message that thinner is better. And in fact, thinner is synonymous with being beautiful and well-liked, popular and good. Boys also are pressured to look a certain way. They get the message through toys and commercials and social media, TV and movies that real men are athletic and muscular. Perhaps it's not surprising that a third of teen boys are trying to bulk up due to being dissatisfied with their bodies. And did you know that boys and men account for 25% of eating disorder cases? Talking about body image and nutrition, weight, and the messages kids receive about their bodies is necessary to keep children healthy physically and emotionally as they grow and develop. So let's discuss it. We have Charlotte Markey on the show today talking about body image in both boys and girls. Now, Charlotte Markey is a PhD and is a world leading expert in body image research, having studied all things body image, eating behavior, and weight management for her entire life, about 25 years. She is passionate about understanding what makes us feel good about our bodies and helping people to develop a healthy body image. Charlotte loves to share her body image wisdom with others and is an experienced book author, blogger, and professor at Rutgers University, Camden. She currently lives in Pennsylvania with her son, Charlie, daughter, Grace, husband, Dan, and their dog, Lexi. For fun, she likes to run, travel, and read, but often spends her free time nagging her kids to brush their teeth or remove the cups and dishes from the rooms. Don't we all? Her book, The Body Image Book for Girls is available now. And our forthcoming book, The Being You, The Body Image Book for Boys, will be available later on in 2022. Welcome, Dr. Charlotte Markey, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thanks so much for having me, Robin. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Before we get into our main topic of conversation, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in helping boys and girls with their body image? Yeah. So growing up, I was a dancer and I actually studied at San Francisco Ballet. Mm. And when it was time to audition to be a full-fledged member of the company, I did my audition And then I went before a panel of evaluators and it really was like something you would see in a movie. Mm. Um, I was about 11 
And I got very good reviews on my dancing, but I was told flat out that I did not have a dancer's body. Mm. Therefore, I was not company material. So I continued to dance for years after that, um, not at San Francisco Ballet, Um, but it was with a clear understanding that there was something wrong with my body when in fact there wasn't. And it really took me years, I think, until I began studying psychology as an undergraduate and was really able to sort of intellectualize these issues and to think through them and to read the science. I don't know if it was really until then that I completely processed that early experience and came to the realization that there actually was nothing wrong with me and that this was a really common experience in one way, shape or form. Mm. And that I wanted to be part of the solution. I didn't want other kids to grow up feeling like there was something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us can relate to what you're saying. And I appreciate how candid you're being about what happened with you and, and what happened in your brain when you were getting these messages. Let's start with what body image is and tell us generally what impacts the way girls and boys feel about their bodies, both negatively and positively. So we usually define body image in the field as just how we think and feel about our bodies, but I would suggest that it's actually a much bigger construct that our body image is an important part of our identity. It affects our behavior, especially our eating and activity behaviors. Um, It also really affects our interpersonal relationships and our mental health in general. So body image is just how do we feel about ourselves? And when we don't feel good about ourselves, the consequences can be pretty steep. Mm. So everything from um, clinical depression to eating disorders to anxiety um, are really comorbid with body dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about boys and girls who are clearly going through incredible physical changes during puberty. We've got girls who are developing breasts, their skin changes, they get hair, they're getting their periods, just to name a few, and boys are getting hair and everything grows, their voice changes, they get more frequent erections, just to name a few, as people are starting to duck under desks right now going, oh my God, what are we talking about? How does puberty in boys and girls affect body image? And and what aspects have you seen have the biggest impact in how kids are feeling about themselves? It's important for kids to be somewhat prepared for puberty. We want to talk with them and make sure they're informed so that when these things happen, they don't get upset about them, right? That they appreciate that these are just really normal developmental experiences. And in some cases, maybe they can even feel kind of excited or happy about them. Um, But if we're not preparing kids and they're shocked by things or we're teasing them as they change, then that's going to make it a lot harder for this to be sort of a smooth transition. Mm, Okay. So When you're talking about those physical changes, what kind of things would you say as a parent to your child? I know that my, anytime I start to bring things up with my 11 year old son, and we've had extensive conversations about it, but like even, even yesterday we had brought something up and he can't stand the conversation. It's it's, she's just like dying inside. He finds it completely embarrassing. He recalls like feeling completely horrified when the videos were shown at school. So how do we talk about these tender topics with kids so that they are informed, but they are also not, you know, resisting the conversation? Yeah. It's so funny you say that because I was talking with my kids this week too. Um, You know, there was a news story I was bringing up as sort of an entree to talk about some um, like reproductive health issues and, 
you know, they just still resist, even though my, my kids are a little bit older now and mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just like, Oh my God, we're talking about this again. Right. right. But I'm sure we're both the same in this regard that we're comfortable talking about yes, these things. Exactly. <laughs> like, no. and, so, and so our kids are like, for the love of God, why are you bringing this up again, woman? Yes. You know, we've, we've done this already. Um, but I think, I hope, I think we've, you know, given our kids a gift by making it okay to talk about any of this. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done that by, you know, lecturing them. Right. So I always recommend to parents a lot of little talks or just work something in here or there because kids don't want to be lectured. They do feel awkward. They do feel embarrassed. And it's a lot more effective to just, you know, oh, has so-and-so, you know, I noticed so-and-so looks a lot taller or whatever, you know, just find Mm -hmm. some easy way. It doesn't have to be really profound. Um, to bring up what, whatever it is, puberty, or, you know, in my case, I wanted to talk about contraception this week. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then I think it's just easier, right? Like it doesn't have to be this like heavy thing that we're like, everyone's bracing themselves for and recoiling from, and you mm-hmm. can kind of joke around. Mm-hmm. So, so I think just a lot of little talks from the time they're verbal, basically about mm-hmm. things that are important to you that are re- related to health, just sneak it in. Do you feel like any of the changes in puberty in particular can affect body image the most? I think all of them do um, to varying degrees. We know from the research that boys are um, not as negatively affected by puberty because our ideals of masculinity are tall and big and muscular and boys tend to move more in that direction across puberty. Um, and girls, the beauty ideals they see all the time are essentially prepubescent and the opposite, right? The opposite of the direction of puberty. Right. So then as their bodies change, it can be much more confronting and upsetting and it's normal for girls across puberty um, in just a few years time to gain 25 pounds. Yes. Um, so, you know, that doesn't always feel good to girls. And I think it's really important to normalize that these changes happen. This is just a part of growing up and our bodies keep changing across our whole lives. I seem to remember it's, it's like a bunch of times that I've had to say to friends, who have talked to me about their daughters. I'm worried about her. She's gained so much weight in the last couple of months um, or over this year. I'm really worried about, you know, is it something she's eating? Should I say something to her? And a lot of people don't realize that what you're saying is true, that they gain a a lot of weight uh, during puberty and often will gain it and then grow taller and then gain it and then grow taller. And instead of it being in the same way as, as we might think about it in our thirties, forties, fifties, or, or et cetera, that if we gained 25 pounds in a short amount of time, we would go, something's going on here that I need to look at where, uh, with young, with kids who are in their preteens and teens, it's, it's normal and natural. Exactly. And as you say, this development can be really asynchronous. So, you know, it's like, they might get taller first. They might get kind of wider first. Mm -hmm. We don't really know what their adult bodies are going to look like for sure Mm -hmm. as this is happening. And it can take, you know, girls usually start the process younger. And so they're likely to be their full grown height by the time they're 13 or 14 even, Mm -hmm. but for boys, they could be in college practically. That's right. Um, so we don't really know what the, the, you know, the end game is here, how things they're, they're really going to look. And I think the last thing we want to do is say anything concerning, um, or to make them feel uncomfortable in a body they already might feel somewhat uncomfortable. in. Mm-hmm. like, we don't want to compound the problem. And then that's where they live. They live right there in their bodies every single day. There's nothing they can do to just snap their fingers and make it different. You know, there's a lot of talk about loving our bodies now. And I would love for you to tell us 
some specific tips that we could pass on to our kids that might help them to appreciate themselves and refrain from shaming themselves and then instead like focus on the positive. I mean, it can't just be empty words. So what is the, Mm. what are some specific strategies that can kind of help them realize their body's really pretty terrific? Yeah. So I think it's important to orient kids towards the functionality of their body from the time they're young. Mm. And so don't just focus on how it appears. And this is true for both girls and boys and really talk with kids about the cool things our bodies do. You know, they turn food into fuel um, and our bodies help us get through our lives essentially. So, so focus on this sort of functional aspect. And if your kids are interested in science, you can even take it to a sort of sciencey and medical place as they get older. Um, but I think it's really important to not focus so much on just appearance. And then when we are focusing on physical appearances, I think it's important that we really show that we appreciate body diversity, and that we embrace the idea that people naturally look different and that that's normal. And that also, as we've been saying, our bodies change across our lives. This is normal. Sometimes we weigh more, sometimes we weigh less. We kind of have to go with the flow on that. And then also, I think there's sort of this cultural misunderstanding that is really shoved down our throats by the diet industry. And the misunderstanding is the idea that we can really completely control our weight. Like if Mm. we're just disciplined enough, that's really possible. And, you know, within a small range, there's, you know, we have some effect on our weight, of course, but our weight is almost as genetically determined as our height. And we don't spend you know, time telling people to try to get taller. (laughs) So, I mean, I think when you put it in that perspective, it's easier to appreciate that, you know, to expect your body to change dramatically is not realistic. Right. Right. So if a, a parent came to you and said that his or her child was constantly body bashing or body bullying themselves saying, you know, this is wrong with me. That's wrong with me. I don't like this. I don't like that. What would you tell this parent to say to their child? Yeah. Moms, especially often come to me and say, you know, my son or daughter Mm. is, is, is saying these sorts of things or is, you know, acting in a disparaging way about their bodies. What do I do? And I think our natural impulse as parents is often to tell our kids, oh, you look so great. You're perfect. I love you just the way you are. And of course, that's nice. I'm not saying not to say that ever, but it doesn't reorient our kids in the way that we want to here because it tells our kids that how they look matters. And as a parent, we're noticing how they look. And the thing is, our kids are smart. So they realize that we're biased in our evaluation of their parents. So when we say those things, it actually doesn't usually make them feel a ton better because they're like, oh, well, you're my mom. Of course Mm -hmm. you think that. Right. So Again, I'm not saying we can never compliment our our kids. I do think that there's a place for that, but we should be aware that that's not like the the last word that we need to also dig in here a bit. And I think it's a really important time to ask questions. So to try not to let that sort of defensive emotional side of us as a parent come out and to try to calmly say, well, you know, why do you think you need to lose weight? Or how would your life be different if your body or your appearance was different? Or do you really agree with, you know, whatever plan or what someone said or whatever, right? So, so question those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think also a practical question sometimes gets lost 
in this discussion that can actually be really important, which may just be, do you need new clothes that fit you comfortably? (laughs) Because Mm. kids are growing so much and we, they really do kind of keep needing new clothes as you know, (laughs) as a mom, right? Right. So, and And I've found personally that that can kind of be like the issue sometimes. They're like, well, but they're tight. Well, of course they're tight. They fit you last year, you know, and they're in the midst of puberty. So, right. And that doesn't mean anything's wrong with your body. It's just your, the clothes are too small. That's right. Like, you know, that, that was, (laughs) I mean, I remember at one point going through my daughter's drawers with her and I was like, well, of course these underwear don't fit you. They like say size six and you're like 12 now, like, (laughs) What are we doing here? You know, who is your parent? Um, so, you know, I mean, it's easy to for kids to not realize this or for maybe parents to not appreciate that, you know, of course, clothes are expensive and we can't do this every five seconds, mm-hmm. but, um, but that can help, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you just have clothes that fit you comfortably? Um, and I also think an important question to ask is, um, do you want to talk to somebody else about this? Mm-hmm. And be prepared for kids to say no. They will always say no first, I think. But I think it's worth asking more than once if you have a child who's really upset about these issues. Because there are counselors who are expert in dealing with body image and eating issues. And there are registered dietitians who are expert in this. And it doesn't mean that the child has a disorder or a problem even. But a few conversations with someone who's really expert and can attend to the concerns can really be transformative. And so I think it's, it's not admitting that there's a problem or an issue. It's really a gift to a young person mm-hmm. to get them that kind of expert help before something becomes really a disorder or really concerning. Mm-hmm. So in your book, you discuss several myths that affect body image. Can you tell us what some of those myths are that you bust? The ones that would you would say in your history really seem to hit home to kids uh, when they hear that these things just aren't true. Well, there's lots of food myths, I think, um, because there's so much messaging in our oh, culture the chocolate one, of course. about food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like chocolate will make you break out or carbs are bad for you. So, I mean, that's almost just low hanging fruit uh, in working on this kind of a project because mm-hmm. it's so, uh, it's so just ubiquitous and, and wrong. Um, I think things that people don't expect as much, um, you know, one is that if a doctor is talking to you about your weight, that means you, you need to lose weight Mm -hmm. and you should go on a diet. And it's, it's part of sort of the normal well visit oftentimes for a pediatrician to map out height and weight or to talk about height and weight with a child and a parent. Um, and they, they need to make sure that a child is, is growing. They're not losing weight and they should be getting bigger. Um, so we can't say not to do that. Um, but but I can't tell you how many times I've had a young adult say like my concerns about my body or my weight started when the doctor told me what I weighed and put it on this chart and told me I should think about losing weight. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because I would never say that any harm was intended, of course, but those conversations from an authority figure like a doctor can be problematic. And so I, I suggest in the books that young people and parents essentially get another opinion there and make mm-hmm. sure that they're talking with someone who has expertise in body image and nutrition, mm-hmm. not a generalist like a pediatrician. Who's because, just looking at a chart in particular right. and looking, charting height and weight and BMI, which we know is a problematic uh, measure, uh, body mass index. And you cover that in your book that it can be problematic. So if they're just going by a chart and they're relaying what they see, they may not be taking into account other factors uh, that, that actually tell the true story. Exactly. It's, it's just, there's more about these issues that gets complicated quickly 
And it's not something I think we can always count on a generalist, like a pediatrician to, mm-hmm. to handle thoroughly. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a time to, to pause and, you know, talk to another provider with, with mm-hmm. the right expertise. Okay. That's a, that was an important one to keep in mind. And I think you're right that that is a myth that is surprising to people because, you know, when you're going to a doctor and you're trying to find out if your child is healthy and this person is somebody who you trust and have trusted for many years and yet doesn't maybe have the type of uh, expertise that is needed to talk about nutrition or body image, it can, it can definitely get convoluted and we might take that information in as gospel, but it may actually not be as true as, as it seems. Exactly. And also, you know, most medical providers have next to no education about body image or Mm -hmm. eating behaviors. And I know this, I work with the Rutgers medical school and talk to their first year med students almost every year. And, you know, it's, it's really new information to them Mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm talking with them about and to bring it to them as a psychologist and to say like, it's not just about these numbers, right? Like there's a context for something Mm -hmm. like body mass index, um, is, is really new to them usually. So yes, exactly. And I often think about uh, when I'm talking to kids about this, and if I'm presenting on the topic, I will say to them, I want you to imagine that you see a person who is quite thin and, uh, and, and then you see somebody who may be, let's say a size 14. Um, and I'd ask them like, who's healthier? Well, you actually don't really know because, and usually they say, oh, it's clearly the thinner person. Then I say, well, okay. What if I told you that the secret is that the person who is much thinner in this, just this scenario is somebody who doesn't get enough sleep at night. Um, will just drinks Coke and and eats one apple during the course of an entire day, doesn't get any exercise, you know, spends all their time on screens. And then the other person is running circles around everybody on the soccer field, does get enough sleep, blows off stress in a productive way, drinks enough water, eats nutritious food. Now who's healthier. So sometimes, you know, understanding that it's not always as it appears is a really helpful thing for kids to hear both for themselves, as well as how they judge other people who, who they might think aren't so healthy. And, and that just perpetuates that myth. Right. I mean, it's a helpful reminder for adults, I think. Yeah, you're right. You know, because we're all quick to make judgments, I think. And to think that we understand someone else's health status by looking at them. And it's just not that straightforward. Right. right. So let's play. Don't do this, do that. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm going to give you these, these, uh, this small scenario and you sort of finish the sentence with what you should be doing. Okay. All right. Okay. You'll know these. It's no problem. You got this. Okay. <laughs> Don't engage in a fad diet instead. Just eat nutritious food most of the time. Mm -hmm. Don't follow influencers on Instagram to motivate you to lose weight. Instead, follow body positive and mental health advocates on Instagram. Don't avoid all fats in food. Instead, enjoy fats and food. <laughs> we all <I> need, <laughs> and we all need fats in our food. Um, think about, uh, you know, more, uh, plant-based sources of fat. Mm-hmm. Good avocados. We love avocados. <laughs> always, always don't body shame yourself to fit in instead. Change the subject mm. or, uh, challenge. There's actually some really interesting research to suggest that we might be best off not, you know, jumping into that, that fat talk as we call it, but, Mm -hmm. but pushing back against it saying, no, I don't think that's productive. 
Right. And usually it sounds like a passing of a baton for those who might not know that term fat talk, where it's like, I'm so fat. And then the other person goes, no, you're not fat. I'm the fat one. Have you seen my thighs? And then they progressively, you know, evaluate each piece of their body uh, to no good avail. And, uh, and, and then again, reinforce the label that fat is bad and gaining weight is bad and that uh, anything, but what is uh, put out uh, in movies and TV and, and, and fixed on Instagram and, and TikTok is, is what we're supposed to be striving for. Isn't that correct? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another one. Don't compare your weight and size with friends. Instead, I would say not talk about your weight and size with friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't skip sleep in favor of more screens. Instead, oh, we all need more sleep than we're getting. Mm. Absolutely, a hundred percent. But I worry about kids. Kids are growing, and you know, tweens need eight to 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Teens need really a good eight hours. Mm-hmm. I love sleep. I wish I, I had more sleep. I, think I know it's the, best. the idea of fighting against sleep is like, I'm just like, I, can I have your sleep? Like I, I know. would love more sleep. So let's talk a little bit more about eating. So in my research on body image and kids, the message I've repeatedly come away with is that a fraction of kids have body disorders, um, or eating disorders, which have a genetic component, but are also triggered by environment, but they certainly, there's definitely people who do absolutely. But many kids have disordered eating. Like they eat very strangely because they're, they, they, they get, they're not, they're not eating, you know, intuitively as nutritionists would say, or mindfully they're, they're, they're altering things. They're getting into the fad diets. They're getting all these messages about what to eat and how much and what not to eat and what you can do, you know, to your body to keep yourself from eating. And it can be very overwhelming. Your books tell us that the scientists know how we should be eating healthily. So what key conversations should we definitely be having with our kids about eating and body image? And what would some of those sound like? I mean, I think we really need to start this when kids are young. Um, And if you haven't, of course, you can always integrate it as kids are older, but we really want to avoid food rules. And we really don't want kids to feel like there are good foods and bad foods and the bad foods are forbidden or you're bad if you eat them. Um, Because what we do is we just set things up so that kids feel like, oh, I have to eat this broccoli so that I can have this ice cream. And it makes ice cream more desirable than it already is. And it makes broccoli less desirable than it may be. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we want to just, it's really hard because this is different than how most of us parents were raised. But I think the research is really good in this area. And um, I actually did some of it at the Children's Eating Lab under Leanne Birch. And, you know, it's, it's just really important that kids have some freedom to choose. And so we want to offer them foods that are you know, mostly nutritious as they're growing up. Um, but we don't want to make a big deal about it because that actually may detract from kids' mm-hmm. enjoyment of those foods, right? So if we, if we are giving them an apple and we're making a big deal about how healthy it is, we may actually be shooting ourselves in the foot here. Um, we're better off just like offering an apple and maybe some peanut butter or you know maybe something a little bit sweet and just kind of leaving it at that. Um, and so kids can, can learn to respect their own physical signals of hunger and satiety, and they won't think it's like a huge deal then, right? We don't want our kids to, to be stressed about food. We want our kids to enjoy food and we want them to be nourished by food. And it's counterproductive to, to actually make, you know, this sort of food rule, uh, a lot of lessons about food, Mm. um, a part of their childhood. Mm. 
Well, that's something to certainly take in and, and realize because I, I know that that can be an issue for people. So uh, just highlighting that fact that we're not going to make a big deal about food and we don't have to constantly be talking about it. I, I find sometimes that it can be eating and dieting and weight can become such an integral part of certain relationships between mothers and daughters, uh, between sisters, uh, between siblings, and is talked about as part of their every day. Um, and, and we certainly have heard that. I know you quoted Lindsay and Lexi Kite in your uh, book uh, first off, and we've interviewed them as well. And it became a very important part of their relationship, weight and dieting. And it just was pervasive and, and sort of fed off of one another. So the more that we're talking about each part of this as part of our relationship, it becomes harder to extract it. Isn't that correct? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it's, it's a strange thing I know for many people to hear because as a parent, we really do express our caring and our love for our kids by feeding them. And so it, it seems very normal and natural to many of us to, to make a big deal about that, right? Like, mm -hmm. here's this that I made you. Um, and of course we can talk about food, but we don't want to emphasize the wrong things, mm -hmm. right? We want to talk about food so that kids learn that it's fun, that it's important, but not so that they feel like it's a chore mm. or something that's hard, right? We don't want, I think for too many adults, food is just a really difficult sort of fraught area of their world. And that's just incredibly sad when it should be something that's contributing to their mental and physical health. So what if a child seems to be eating for thinness or eating to get shredded, as we <laughs> I'd say for, for boys? I mean, I guess we'd say that this was dieting and regimented eating or restricting. If we're seeing a pattern and we're seeing that our children are starting to not just talk about it, but do it, what should we do or say in that, in that time? It depends on the age of the child in part, because it's usually not until, you know, pre-adolescence or, or right. well into the teen years that girls start to, you know, actively try to lose weight and boys become more concerned about their muscles or getting shredded. I don't know who comes up with these terms, but they always <laughs> kind of crack me up. Um, and you know, at that age, you can have a real conversation and you can use logic uh, and kids should be able to follow along and you should explain that this is often counterproductive behavior, right? That at the end of any diet, the average amount of weight lost is zero pounds. Mm. So this is not likely to get you to your end goal. Um, and it if kids are still developing and growing, we want to be extra attentive more immediately that they're not depriving themselves of the nutrition they need to grow, to finish puberty. Mm. Um, and with, with boys, when it comes to, you know, I think like protein powder is like a really big thing now or the other supplements. supplements and it, it's often thought of, I think, culturally, it's like, oh, look at this, like male attention to health. Like it's a good thing. Um, but it, it rarely is because mm -hmm. it's really, first of all, the supplements and the protein is totally unnecessary um, because protein, especially almost everyone um, that has an adequate food supply gets enough protein. Like that's just not an issue typically. So mm -hmm. Um, and, and eating too much protein or extra protein does not actually help to build muscle. So um, that's just a, another myth, another myth. Mm. Um, I think that's actually a myth in the boys book. Oh, perfect. So, <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So, so we really, I think it's important to have like a, you know, a more grown up conversation than if you're dealing with a, a teenager mm -hmm. and really try to discourage the behavior. Um, 
But I think we have to be careful too, because at this age, as you know, kids are really trying to sort of sort through their own sense of identity, their own sense of autonomy, and food can become a vehicle for that if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to try to take control um, of what they're doing um, unless it seems really, really, you know, dangerously unhealthy, in which case, of course, by all means, take control. But mm-hmm. if, it, right. if it's just like they're just starting to do something, then I, I wouldn't press too hard initially. Um, but you want to make sure that they understand and let them feel like they still have some power to make decisions about what they're putting into their own body, what they're ingesting. Like that's a normal thing to want to feel autonomy about mm-hmm. as we mm-hmm. grow up. And of course, if something does seem more seriously problematic, um, a, a, a child loses a fair amount of weight within a short period of time or won't eat whole categories or foods, um, this is when you want to, I think, not mess around. And, and it's better safe than sorry, get an appointment with a provider, uh, especially if you can, an expert in eating disorders or body image. And again, it's not to say the young person has a disorder, but you don't want it to end up in that place. So intervene before it becomes something that's like a really long chronic problem potentially. Mm. Okay. Excellent. So we want our, our children to create some healthy habits around eating clearly, as we just discussed, we also want them to create some healthy habits around physical activity, which actually often goes down during those tween and teen years. And certainly we want them to up the self-care. Puberty is that awkward time as we discuss, and many kids get really embarrassed talking about that stuff as we discuss. So how do we introduce some of the squeamish topics of exercising without kids thinking we're saying something negative about their bodies, uh, eating healthy food without kids thinking we're suggesting something negative about their bodies and self-care like bathing without making kids really self-conscious that they might smell bad or oily. I mean, a good first place to start here is just by trying to model all of this well. Mm. And if we're regularly active and are obviously valuing what we get out of physical activity and we can say things sort of directly like, Oh, I feel so much more relaxed now that I'd have that run, or it was really fun to talk with my friend on that walk or, um, you know, whatever that salad tasted really good. Mm. Um, you know, so we, we can kind of model where we want our kids to end up, which is a nice place to start, I think. And then again, lots of little conversations, right? So we don't have to sit them down for the, like, this is self-care. <laughs> We're about to have a big conversation about bathing. Right. <laughs> We're going to have the talk about bathing, you know? Um, and <laughs> I mean, we all develop routines in our households. So sometimes kids bathe in the morning, sometimes they bathe at night, whatever it may be, right? So um, I was just telling my son the other day, maybe you should think about bathing after you go to track practice. Yes. Soccer, like right after soccer would be delightful. Don't you right. think? Yes. <laughs> right. Like I'm, I'm glad you don't mind smelling like that the rest of the night, but no, those are things not to say. Don't say right. that. Exactly. Uh, don't say that. Scratch that. Scratch that. Right. But, but um, I think what I said was after I go on a run, I find it really rejuvenating to take a shower. <laughs> Beautifully done. <laughs> Um, like that's one of my favorite parts of running is showering afterwards. Right. <laughs> um, what do you think about that? <laughs> right. Would you feel good about that? Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. It's, it's making sure that you're not sort of pointing the finger at them, but instead you're modeling, but also kind of what I call parenting out loud, where yes. you're, you're talking about, you know, yourself and what you're doing and hoping that they you know, catch the drift and, and get into the conversation through that door. Yeah. And I think, again, a lot of little conversations hopefully bring you to a place with your kids that then when they do have questions, they can ask. Right. And, um, or if you say something, you know, kind of off the cuff that maybe isn't exactly the way you would want to say it as a good parent, um, they take it in stride because you've had a lot of little good conversations. So it's easier when you say something or, you know, 
if I ever did happen to say, you really need to take a shower now, you smell, it wouldn't be a big deal because, you know, you can, it's couched in between lots of little talks that are more, uh, that are worded more carefully. Exactly. but I think, you know, self-care is, is tricky as young people grow up and um, it's, it seems to be more of an issue for boys than girls. But, mm-hmm. you know, even just getting back to sleep, kids just, you know, love as they're getting older to um, not sleep, <laughs> to right. feel like, you know, they can stay up. They, they can stay up later than us. They can do what they want. They can go out. And, um, and so sometimes you do have to be a little more explicit and remind them that, sleep is really important or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. What would you say is one of the, or you can say more than one, the biggest whammy of mistakes that parents could make when it comes to kids and body image? Oh, I think we all make a lot of mistakes probably Mm -hmm. because I think it's, it's just really tricky territory. Um, but I think being overtly critical yeah. of our kids' physical appearance is, it can be really devastating to kids. And it's often done in a teasing way. And parents or siblings or even friends, they don't realize that it can have some sort of devastating consequences. And that's another thing I hear from, from kids often. Adolescents will say, you know, my dad always said this, or, mm. um, and, even though it was a family joke, it was really internalized. Mm. And so I think that we just have to be really careful. Sometimes as parents, we think we're being funny and we're not. Yes, that's true. (laughs) It's like a few seconds of cleverness can be like a lifetime of, you know, harboring this, you know, oh, they made this joke and everybody laughed because it was so clever, but it turned out that the child held on to it and really took it to heart. Uh, I, I even think about some of the nicknames that people have given their kids. You know, I think, you know, they were like these, this cute round baby and the, you know, mm-hmm. calling them pudge or, you know, whatever it is. And it just sort of stuck and yeah. how that can influence how that child thinks about themselves and kind of divorces themselves from their body because yeah. they feel like they can't love where they are since it seems like it's always been criticized, even though it may not have been the intention at all of the parent. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that, you know, intentionality matters, right? So if you, if you mean to be funny, sometimes that matters, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you're constantly, you know, poking at someone's gut or, right. you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, you know, having good intentions isn't enough at the right. end of the day, right? You need to, you need to step back. And, and I think too, sometimes this is our own awkwardness as parents and watching our kids grow and change because of course it's, it's hard for kids sometimes, but it's not always easy for, for parents either. I think sometimes right. we're like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, you were just a kid, like five Ugh, seconds ago. So true. And what is going on here? And sometimes our response to that change is, is kind of emotional or we relive mm-hmm. some of our own adolescent angst and we start externalizing that, I think. And instead of just being supportive. Mm-hmm. Mm. That is important to say and, and put high beams on that because we do bring our own baggage along and, and that preteen teen time can be challenging for everyone. Give us your top tip. What is it that you would want us to come away with after listening to this podcast or reading your books about kids and body image? I would say that developing a positive body image is really central to developing positive mental health. And as I said, it's challenging, it's complex. I don't think our culture makes it easy, but we want to empower our kids to push back against unrealistic appearance ideals. And we want to foster media literacy and we want our kids to just value themselves for so much more than just their appearance. Yes, that's beautifully said and realizing that they can be part of the change in talking. Even when you were saying that when a friend is bringing up 
some kind of criticism of their bodies to push back and say, let's not go there. Let's not be, you know, part of that problem. And, and you know, talking about something else, changing the subject or addressing it head on can be a really important thing to do because you're then as that child, that teenager or that parent, you're changing the dialogue and you're putting high beams on the fact that that's not healthy for anybody. So I think that's really an important thing to come away with that we don't have to just be part of the culture. We can, we can counter some of the messages that we're receiving, understanding also that as much as media and the messages are pervasive and huge, and we hear them every single day, parents and educators and coaches, we're right in that central circle uh, of impact for those kids. And what we say does hit home a lot of the time, even though it sometimes seems like our kids aren't listening. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I think sometimes our kids want us to feel like what we say does not matter to them. Mm -hmm. And again, that's part of them wanting to be grown up and not need us. But there is good evidence to suggest that they are listening, they are paying attention, they are learning from us, and they're watching us also. So how we treat ourselves and how we tackle these issues for ourselves is really important. Give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you, your books, and the work you're doing? You can go to thebodyimagebookforgirls.com or thebodyimagebookforboys.com. And you can find everything about my two latest books there and more information about me and other resources. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today, Dr. Charlotte Markey, and talking about your books and talking about body image for both for boys and girls. It's incredibly important. And as you say, central to how kids perceive themselves and their worth and, and who they are. So uh, thank you for bringing in some of the scripting and some of the strategies to help them to create positive body image in their lives and amongst their friends. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, many thank yous. I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. You can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com. I'm at Dr. Robin. I'm also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. And if you love this podcast like I did, I'll hope you go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about these outstanding strategies and solutions and use them in their own homes. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many great podcasts and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this, you're here, you're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. Perhaps your child said something or did something related to body image, and maybe you didn't respond the way that you wish you did. I get it. You can always go back and have that conversation again. You could always say something different. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.